Overwork is the strategy. It's the tool you are using to manage the curated, honestly, the cultivated uncertainty and insecurity of academic culture. And the thing is, it can be effective. I'm not going to tell you it can't be effective. It can be effective. It's true. They can look at you and be like, well, you know, she just works so hard. She does everything for everybody. It can be true. But you know what else comes with that? Exhaustion. You know what else comes with that? Resentment, frustration, decreased quality of your personal relationships from overwork. And here's the one that really gets me. This actually really hurts me. Lower quality of the work you care most about. Hello, hello. You are listening to Your Unapologetic Career. Being a woman of color faculty in academic medicine who wants to make a real difference with your career can be tough. Listen, these systems are not built for us, but that doesn't mean we can't make them work for us. In each episode, I'll be taking a deep dive into one core growth strategy so you can gain confidence and effectiveness in pursuing the dream career you worked so hard to achieve. All you have to do is tune in to your unapologetic career with me, your host, Kemi Dole, physician, surgeon, researcher, coach, and career strategist for an always authentic, sometimes a little raw, but unapologetically empowering word. I keep it real for you because I want you to win. So the truth is I get messages all the time from people who are like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is too good. I definitely want to do more. How can I work with you? Like, where is the front door? And so if that's you and you're a woman of color faculty in academic medicine or public health, just keep listening. The question is, are you building the academic career you want or hard at work checking boxes on everyone else's to-do list? A successful career doing the work that you love doesn't mean you have to sacrifice your values, your family, or your joy. Stop trying to be everything to everybody and get to learning the strategies that will 3x your productivity, hone your passions into grant-funded projects, and create the career you worked so hard to achieve. If you have been to every career development or professional development workshop that sounded great, but didn't actually deal with the kind of institutional pressures you face. If you are working hard, but somehow stuck in inefficiency, putting everyone else's priorities first. If you spent years training and sacrificing to become academic faculty, and here you are still working when you don't want to be on the projects you care most about. I'm here to tell you that you can walk away from this institutional mindset forever and take control of your career with clarity and strategy. Every day, I help women of color faculty in academic medicine and public health, like you, reframe and recreate their academic life so that they can channel their ideas, passions, and skills into grant-funded work with institutional support. And that is why this episode is brought to you by Get That Grant, our six-month comprehensive high-performance coaching program for high-achieving, women of color faculty in academic medicine and public health who are ready to reclaim career control and secure grant funding doing the work they love. 
and get that grant, we help you kick imposter syndrome to the curb for good so you lead your career with clarity and confidence. We help you learn productivity and strategy skills for grants and papers to maximize your chances of success without wasting your time, abandoning your passion, or working yourself into the ground. We help you build the foundation for an amazing and fulfilling academic career, changing your life and the lives of everyone your work will touch. Yes, this future is possible for you, and it's waiting on you to take the first step. If you are ready for career success without sacrifice, without suffering, then I encourage you to join our waitlist at kemidole.com backslash grant. After you join the waitlist, you will be notified when the next Get That Grant cohort will be enrolling. Your application process will include an in-depth career foundations assessment, helping you identify the gaps in your foundation that are holding you back from enjoying the career you worked so hard to achieve. No more secret worrying that the career you really want isn't really possible. This career assessment will show you exactly where you need to focus to level up your experience and your impact. Join the waitlist today to get in line. Visit kemidole.com backslash grant to sign up. See you soon. Hey folks, this week on the podcast, we are bringing to you a live stream that I did on Instagram a little while ago now about the secret sauce to effective boundaries. I mean, full disclosure, I really love this live stream, which is why I decided to pull it forward into a podcast episode because it kind of represents like almost a refinement on my own part and thinking about a critical piece of effective boundaries that I think I might kind of refer to almost indirectly, but I don't feel like I've really spoken about specifically and really is kind of critical to like all the other things working. And so I was excited to kind of go back and dig into this because ultimately, as you all know, like I just want more of us to get free and to be able to create and enforce boundaries and to be able to use them in a way that helps us have the careers that we are looking for. And so I hope that you find that this episode does that, that thing just for you. Because so many times what we think is like our struggle, what we think is our weakness is not. It is just about using the wrong tool at the wrong time. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode from Instagram live stream on the secret sauce to effective boundaries. Have an awesome week. Hello, hello. Today, we are going to be talking about the secret sauce to effective boundaries. My name is Kami Dole. I'm a coach and career strategist for women of color faculty in academic medicine and public health. And we need to talk about boundaries because y'all, I can't handle the feeling that y'all know you need boundaries. (laughs) You know that having effective boundaries is key to having balance and sanity in your careers. And yet you find yourself over and over again, like not being able to hold those boundaries or not even being able to make them. So we're going to do better than that. Okay. And this was the topic y'all voted on. I'm very excited to chat about it. I have notes because boundaries is a topic where we could go all over the place and be here all night and we're not going to do that. So I do have notes. I want to say that this is like a part two. This is an extension of a topic I've already talked about, which is creating effective boundaries in your career. And that is episode 16 of the podcast. So like those of you who are watching, if you've taken notes, go ahead and jot that down to go back and listen to episode 16. 
because there that's when I really talk about like what boundaries even are and the concept of three-dimensional boundaries, which definitely comes into play, but we're not going to focus on that. Today, we're focusing on the secret sauce, and I'm going to give you my thesis up front, if that's what y'all want. I'm going to tell you right now where we're going to end, and then we're going to go on a journey to get there. So I'm going to tell you right now the reason why, why does this topic always come up? How come like every time I say, do y'all want to talk about A, or do you want to talk about boundaries? Is <laughs> boundaries every time, right? Why does this come up? Because I don't really think at this point, everybody knows that they need boundaries. Like at this point, it's not like a miracle. It's not like this like revelation, like, oh, boundaries could help me in my career. Like we already know that. That's not a question, right? The reason why this comes up is because people, you can understand that. And you can even get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm going to make a new boundary for myself. But how do you hold it? How do you make it consistent? How do you last past all of the reasons why it doesn't exist to begin with? And I want to offer to you that it's not about what you have written in your email. It really isn't about like who is testing the boundary. Like we'll think like, oh, but it's because this person asked me versus that person. It's not about the politics. It's not about that stuff about your environment. It's not about which words you used. It's not about any of that. It's not about when you have a boundary versus when you don't. The secret sauce to effective boundaries is actually about a shift in your identity. That's what it's about. And that's why it's so hard because you can use everybody's tactic. You can go and look at everybody's different tactic and what they're doing. And this person recommends a 24 seven email replier. And this person recommends that you don't check that you take email off your phone. And this person recommends blah, blah, blah. And all these people are recommending all these different things. And you know what? You're not going to be able to apply it consistently. You will not be able to apply it consistently. If you do not actually recognize that part of what you have to do is shift your identity. Because if you're just trying to use the tactics, like, well, I heard this is a good one, so I'm going to do it. It will last maybe for a little bit, but it will break down. Give me an amen if you've experienced this. You're like, yes, I have a new boundary. This is going to work for me. And three weeks later, I find you exactly where you were before, not getting anything done, getting interrupted all the time, not being able to have your focus point, all of that stuff. Okay. So I want to talk to you about what I mean by shifting identity, because I think actually what I hope we come to understand here is like why the struggle, right? Why the struggle with not being able to hold boundaries? It's really not about the fact that you don't care enough. It's really not about the fact that you're like not focused enough. It's not about that. Honestly, I think it is really a consequence of what has worked for you up until now that has to shift. So that's why we have to talk about your identity, because we have to acknowledge that we have formed our identities as academic faculty, certainly women of color, especially black women in these spaces. We have formed our identity in order to get to the faculty level within a culture of overwork. Academia is a culture of overwork, okay? And I'm saying this because I think that the narrative has like used to be, at least in my world, the narrative used to be when I was coming up, it was like, you know, their private practice is like, you work really hard, but you make a lot of money. Academics is like, you make less, but you kind of chill. That is gone. (laughs) So I don't know if anybody else can relate, but that was definitely how like the paradigm was set up. I'm not sure if it was ever true, but it's definitely something that is like undergirds that whole idea. Like it's worth it for the lower salary because like, you're not 
working so hard, slaving away like you would be in private practice. But the bottom line is academia is absolutely a culture of overwork. One, lower pay. <laughs> Two, all of this nebulous activities that get organized under service, which we all understand that like the other word for service is uncompensated labor. Can we get an agreement? <laughs> like, service is uncompensated labor. Like that's what that is. We can have a nice name for it, but that's literally what it is. So we get paid less. We have all this uncompensated labor. And then there is this weird, almost pride in working outside of like regular hours or hours that work for you. You know, it's like people talk, about, well, it's the 80 hour week job. Well, you know, I was up all night doing this thing. I was, oh, I worked all weekend, da, 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 da. Like people will make jokes about this. Like, this is funny. It's still, honestly, there's a part of me, to be honest, y'all, there's a part of me that literally like my heart hurts a little bit. Because people will literally be like, I mean, yeah, it was a great family vacation, although, you know, I spent half of it working on that grant. And I'm like, I'm at a loss. Like, am I supposed to be like, that's great? Like, is this funny? I can't tell. Like, we have a culture where we just, we have normalized to the point where sometimes it's boastful of just like completely any lack of balance in terms of when you are doing your work and when you are not. And I'm emphasizing this point about how academia is a culture of overwork because some people I think are still a little confused and thinking like, this is the soft life. It is not. <laughs> Academic medicine is not the soft life. Academic public health is not the soft life, okay? I think it has incredible, incredible benefits over other arenas. It's not better or worse or whatever. I think if you're a person who's inclined toward creativity, I think if you're a person who is very purpose-driven, wants to create new things in the world, like there's nothing like it, but let's all get on the same page that it's a culture of overwork. Okay, why am I emphasizing that? Because this overwork doesn't come out of the blue. I mean, yes, capitalism at the end of the day. Yes, we will acknowledge the system is at play. But the other reason why overwork is so prevalent and just so, I don't know, routine, honestly, like run of the mill, is that what that overwork is fueled by, I offer to you, is insecurities, okay? So somebody said this, and I feel really bad because I can't remember where I came from, but it's like academia is a world fueled by insecure overachievers. And I, when I tell you, I stood up and said an amen. I was like, that is the truth, okay? This overwork and subsequently our overwhelm is fueled by a few things, actually. One, I will offer it's fueled by our insecurities. Why? Because when we're in training, with regard with whatever the training is, your residency, your PhD program, whatever, you're like first, second, third, fourth, I mean like 10th goal when you're a trainee is for people to think you are good at your job. I mean, that's like the whole point. It's like, you want people to look at you, watch your performance and be like, that person is good at their job. What's up, Kia? Kia is great at her job. Gabby, Gabby is great at her job. That's what you want. You want people to look at you and be like, that one right there, that's your goal, okay? When we're training, that is our goal. So-and-so is good at their job. And do you know what? Do you know what defines being good at your job when you're a trainee? working your ass off. That's literally the definition. Like being a great resident was like always being willing to stay late, always being willing to respond to everything. Like it's defined by working hard, but not just working hard, y'all. Working hard and denying yourself. Like, oh, I was planning on doing this this afternoon. 
but now I'm being called because so-and-so needs me. So I will not do the thing I plan to do and instead will show up to work. That is lauded, right? So these are, yes, Lori says, working your butt off, but not complaining. Exactly. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with us, but I want us to understand that like we spent years in a culture that where the goal is to be perceived as being a hard worker, to be perceived as great. And the way that you are perceived as great is to overwork. That is how you are perceived as great. Specifically, especially when you take moments to deny what you need, deny your own plans for yourself in service of working for the greater good, okay? So if you're a faculty member and you have insecurities about whether people think you're good, if you're a faculty member and you have insecurities about how you are perceived, it is reasonable that the tool that you pick up, <laughs> the tool that you're like, let me do something to help me with this insecurity of how I'm being perceived, the tool that you pick up is overwork. That's the tool that you pick up. Do you all see that? Because you know why? Let me keep going. Shifting goalposts. Here's another thing that fuels overwork and overwhelm. You are always going to be at risk of overwork when you are in a culture where the goalposts of what you have to do always shifts. That's the other thing about being academic faculty. It's like all of a sudden you have switched from like, you have a finite process here. This is step one, step two, step three. This is the year and you will graduate. You have switched from that to like, you know, you should get promoted over X number of years. Good luck. What? <laughs> and so you're working, you're working. It's almost never enough. You can't really be sure. There's no assurances. And every time you get a success, what happens? Somebody goes, well, what are you going to do next? It's like never enough. I hear this all the time. It's actually something I talk to my clients about a lot and I point out to them after they get funded. So they'll get like their RO1. They'll get their first RO1. They're so excited, et cetera. I'm like, yes, you know, a month later, two months later, they're stressed, <laughs> feeling imposter syndrome, feeling scared about the future. And I'm like, okay, one, I can help you through this. Don't worry. And it won't take as long as last time. But number two, now do you believe me that there is nothing out there that is going to stop them shifting the goalposts? There's no line you can cross that somebody will not look at and say, what about the next, okay? That also fuels overwork because you're never done. And then the last thing is that when you're in a culture like this, where there's a lot of insecurity about being perceived, where the goalpost is often shifting, you're also really breeding that frenemy energy because you're constantly having to look around and be like, how do I measure up? right? You're constantly doing that. And so if you don't know what I mean, when I say frenemy energy, you need to go check out episode 78 of the podcast. First of all, can we just time out? I'm so proud of myself. Not only did I do my notes, y'all, I actually went and found the episodes I'm referring to, unlike usually. So I, I will take a heart and an amen in the chat. Thank you very much. So episode 78 can talk a little bit more about frenemy energy, but it's basically like this constant sense of competition around you. Okay. So why am I detailing this out? Because I want us to be gentle with ourselves to recognize how powerful, right? I want you to recognize how powerful the influence of overwork as a strategy is. I want you to see that. I want you to see yourself apart from that. But that's the soup you're swimming in. 
And so when we are using overwork as a management tool, overwork as a tool to manage the insecurity, what we're basically saying is like, you know what? I don't know how this is all going to turn out. I don't know how my study is going to turn out. I don't know how my performance is going to turn out. I don't know whether this paper is going to be submitted, but at least they can't say that I don't work hard. At least they can't look at me and say that I don't pull my weight. That's what we're doing. At least they can't say, I didn't pitch in over here. I didn't drop everything I needed to cover the clinic over here. I didn't ignore my boundaries and say yes when I told them I didn't have time over here. At least they can't say that I didn't work hard. Overwork is the strategy. It's the tool you are using to manage the curated, honestly, the cultivated uncertainty and insecurity of academic culture. And the thing is, it can be effective. I'm not going to tell you it can't be effective. It can be effective. It's true. They can look at you and be like, well, you know, she just works so hard. She does everything for everybody. It can be true. But you know what else comes with that? Exhaustion. You know what else comes with that? Resentment. Frustration. Decreased quality of your personal relationships from overwork. And here's the one that really gets me. This actually really hurts me. Lower quality of the work you care most about. That work that brought you here, the whole point that you're here, lower quality because it's pushed aside for this, because you thought you were going to work on it, but you didn't, that you didn't hold your boundary on Tuesday morning. Now you're working on it on Sunday night, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So I want to offer to you that we can have a different tool. Can we use a different tool? Can we not use overwork to manage this uncertainty? I'm not going to tell you that the uncertainty isn't there. I'm not going to lie. It's true. I'm not going to tell you that that insecurity feeling isn't there. Again, it's cultivated on purpose. Of course it's there. And honestly, okay, y'all don't get mad at me. <laughs> okay, y'all have to promise, don't get mad at me because I'm including myself in this. Okay, so this is all of us together. Honestly, honestly, part of what's happening is that we are kind of self-selecting as people who are effectively motivated <laughs> by the insecurity and by the uncertainty. We are effectively motivated by a nebulous goal of being great. And so we will just keep going, keep going. And you're like, what does he even mean? We're like, we don't know, but we're motivated. Can, somebody don't leave me alone in this. Tell me if you relate, right? So we self-select into these careers and then they, they overemphasize, right? That part of our motivation. But what I want to offer to you is that we can use a different tool. And I also want to tell you that I think oftentimes why I keep using overwork is because I think that we have as almost like a protective mechanism, we've replaced the word overwork in our mind with hard work, right? That's what I was saying. If you say, you know, like, at least they can't say I don't work hard. You know, what's really true is like, at least I can't say I don't overwork, right? That I'm not constantly overwhelmed. So also I want us to get a little bit clear that like hard work does not equal overwork. That's not the same thing. And again, these are things that we have to like detox from because it's pretty easy to say, oh, I work hard, right? It's a little different to be like, oh yeah, I just constantly overwork, past my boundaries, past my limits to a place where it impacts my friends, my family, my quality of life, my balance, my sleep. People aren't going to applaud you for that. 
but you say I work hard and people are excited. So let's be clear that I think we need to stop using hard work when what we really mean is overwork. But I don't want you to do either of those. I want you to redefine hard work. I want us to redefine it. I think hard work is a great tool, not overwork. I think hard work is a great tool, but I define hard work differently because you know what? It's actually easier. It's easier in the individual short-term time to just blow past your boundaries and overwork. It is. It's easier. The reason why I define hard work differently is that it's actually harder. It's harder to be more thoughtful because now you've got to make all these decisions about where you're putting your time and energy. You have to do prioritization that doesn't have to happen if you're just going to overwork. You got to figure out power dynamics and who you can disappoint and all those things that you don't have to do if you're just going to overwork. It's way harder. To me, smart working smarter and harder, same thing. Smart work, hard work, all the same thing. How do I define that? How do I want to offer that you can define that? I promise we are getting to your identity shift. Who's still with me? We going to get there, okay? How do I define working harder? IE working smarter. One your work is intentional, meaning you know the intention behind the work that you're doing, behind the time that you're spending, and you're about that life. You're about that intention. You are not somewhere going, oh, I don't even want to have to be here, but I just have to because so-and-so asked me because whatever, whatever. What are you doing? I'm just working on this project because, you know, my sponsor thought it would be a good idea, but I don't really like it. What kind of intention is that? Just think about that for a second. I'm spending my time, my energy, my life force doing work I don't want to do because why? What intention is that? If we actually ask ourselves, what is the intention of why I'm here doing something I don't want to be doing? Do you know what often the answer is? I don't want to make somebody mad. I don't trust that the work that I do matters enough. What is the intention? Hard work is work that is an intentional and that intention is something you can stand behind. You don't get to claim I work really hard doing shit I don't care about. To me, that's not hard work. That's overwork without a purpose. And you will burn out. You're not gonna last. Number two, working harder, working smarter is purposeful. What is the goal of what I'm doing right now? Specifically, what is the goal of what I'm doing right now? How does it move me closer to the work that I want to do? Some things are collateral. Some things are direct. But how does it clearly move me closer to the work that I want to do? Purposeful work. The purpose of X is. You can have a purpose for reformatting your reference list. I know it. Like my purpose of reformatting this thing is to save myself time and energy and frustration going forward. That is purposeful. It's not fun work, but there's a purpose behind it. But don't be doing something where you A, don't even believe in the purpose or B, you don't even know why it's happening. Well, because so-and-so asked me to, excuse me, what the hell is that? That is not a purpose. If you wonder why you're frustrated and resentful, it's because you recognize, that part of you recognizes, I just spent time on something that I don't even care about. It's a terrible feeling. Third, hard work is accountable. That's the secret sauce of your boundaries. Hard work says, this is a project I care about. This is a research area I care about. These are papers I care about. These are things that are important to move me forward in doing the work that I do. And I'm accountable to those things. 
I don't have the luxury of being able to blow past boundaries and say yes to you when I know I don't have time because I'm accountable to the work that I do. I work hard. I'm accountable to what matters to me. Instead of it being, at least they can't look at me and say, I didn't work hard. I want to offer you something else. What if everything you're trying to do, nothing works out? You trying to write a grant, it doesn't get funded. You trying to get a project off the ground, it doesn't work. Results are all negative, right? And somebody's looking at you going, you know, if this was so important to you, why were you doing X over here? If this application, if this grant submission was so important to you, why were you dropping everything to respond to messages all the time in your inbox all the time? If this was so important to you, what are you doing spending six hours on Twitter? If this was so important to you, why did your time and energy not line up with this goal that you had? What about that question? You know the reason why people don't ask that question in academia? Because of the culture of overwork. Because it's a logical question. It's so frustrating for me to talk to people and they're like, well, I only submitted, like only published one paper last year, or I have four papers in the background, but I'm doing this, but I'm doing that, but I'm on this committee, but I'm doing this service, but I'm doing this, but I can't ever get time during the day to focus. And I'm sitting there going, how come nobody is asking you, what the hell are you doing with all this stuff when you're supposed to get your papers up? You know why? Because we have a culture of overwork. When you recognize that, you can disenroll. When you recognize that, you can recognize my temptation to let this boundary slip is about upholding the culture of overwork and I'm not going to do it because you know what? I'm accountable to my goals. My temptation to not be willing to take email off my phone is about being accountable to a culture of, excuse me, about participating in a culture of overwork. I can feel the temptation, but I'm not going to let it go. I'm not going to give into it, excuse me because I'm accountable to my intentional and purposeful work. Instead of worrying, somebody's going to be mad at me if I hold this boundary. I'm going to disappoint somebody. I want you to say to yourself instead, I demonstrate my commitment through actions. Instead of, well, maybe I should go to this meeting. Maybe I should respond to this message. I demonstrate my commitment to the work that I do through actions. That's the identity shift. Not, at least they can't say I work, don't work hard. No, I demonstrate my commitment through actions. That's my identity. That's what I'm always striving for. Now we have totally flipped the pressure of the boundary. Now when you come and I said, listen, I need these three hours to work. I can't be interrupted. And you come in with your urgent email. That is an opportunity for me to demonstrate my commitment through action to the work that I have to do. Here's the other identity shift. I trust myself. I trust myself to do the work I came here to do. I don't need the distraction of overwork. I don't need the distraction of somebody else's stuff. I trust myself to do the work I came here to do. Boundaries, y'all. Boundaries are evidence of your integrity. That's what they are. They're supposed to be pushed. It's not a boundary if nobody ever is like pushing up against it. Then I'm like, what kind of boundary is that? The whole point of the boundary is that you create the boundary. I'm going to work on Thursday mornings from 9 to 12. Nobody can find me. <laughs> you will not find me 
on the interwebs. You won't find me in person. You will not find me. Why? Because I have integrity to the work I came here to do. I refuse to define my quality as a faculty member. I refuse to define that as being defined by sacrificing what I care about most to overwork. Do you see the shift? It really is the opposite of what you were doing before. So that's where we can have empathy. It is just the opposite. You've got to put down the tool of overwork and see boundaries as evidence of your integrity. What boundaries say is I do what I say I'm going to do. Oh my God, can I get an amen? Think about that. Think about people that you want to work with the most. I can tell you for me, the people that I want to collaborate with the most are the people who do what they say they're going to do. Amen. Right? Think about who you have the most respect for in your colleagues, the people who do what they say they're going to do. Now, I understand we got a lot of passive aggressiveness in academic medicine, especially, and public health. And I will just say that that is a podcast for another day. But that is why even more people with integrity who do what they say they're going to do stand out. Be that person, y'all. Be about that life. I said that I wanted to work on this work. I said I wanted to publish these two papers this year. I said I wanted to apply for this award. I said I wanted to create this pilot project. Be the person who does what you say you're going to do. How do you do that? You demonstrate your integrity through boundaries. That's the identity shift. So I want to I want to point out something. Do you notice how like None of this is about not being tempted, right? Like there's nothing I'm saying here about like, oh, boo, once you do ABC and put up your boundaries, you never have to think about it again. Forget it. No, that's not how it works. Why? Why class? Who wants to tell me? Somebody put it in the chat. Why will your boundaries always be tested? Why? Because we are in a culture of overwork. It's not because there's something wrong with your boundaries. It's not because you went too far. It's not because you want too much. It's because we're in a culture of overwork. So if you have boundaries, you're going to feel that. People, you're going to feel people pushing up against it. And I want to, you to tell yourself, I want you to embody the identity shift. I offer to you that this is available, that you can see the act of maintaining your boundaries and holding your boundaries as evidence of your integrity. And you know what? I bet at your core, I bet at the deepest core of your identity, you desire to be a person of integrity. You desire to be able to say, I do what I say I'm going to do. So yes, I'm still tempted, but I am corrected. When I get tempted, the correction is my identity as somebody who's accountable to my goals. The correction when I get tempted, oh, maybe I should, I'm like, oh, no, 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 Kevin. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I'm accountable to my work. I'm accountable to my goals. And even more, even more, I'm accountable to my dreams, y'all. <laughs> I got big dreams. I don't know about y'all, but I didn't work all this time. I did not work all this time to get to my faculty position. I didn't go all this way to get here and be like, well, maybe I'll have 30% of a career. Excuse me? I didn't get all the way here to settle for less. Are you kidding me right now? I mean, I can tell you as a black woman in a surgical subspecialty, there's no way in hell I came here to have some part and parcel of this. No, I came here with big dreams, with big goals. 
Most of us do. Most of y'all who are listening to me do. And I want to tell you that you can be accountable to your dreams. That's how they come true. That's how you create career that people are like, how is this even possible? Because you're accountable in a culture of overwork. Maybe we should normalize the reason why people don't get where they want to go is because they like are in the default culture of overwork or they get where they want to go and they're super sad about it and super like burned out because they're in a culture of overwork. You got to disenroll from that culture. Episode 36, taking responsibility for your dreams is another one that would be good to check out. All right. So how do we do this? How do we start the process of this? Well, you got to get real clear, y'all, real clear on what it is you are doing here. What are you doing here and why? What way do you want to do it? How do you want to spend your time and energy? Like I'm talking to you about the secret sauce, but I'm coming back as like a lot of times I talk to faculty and like they don't know the answer to these questions because they're still in overwork culture. And by the way, that is independent of where they are. I just want to tell you that is independent of first year on faculty eighth year on faculty, 12th year on faculty. But what are you doing here? What is the goal? What is the end point other than retirement? So that's where we start in our coaching program, Get That Grant. Get That Grant is our company's six-month high-performance coaching program for women of color in academic medicine and public health faculty. And we got to start with what are you doing, boo? Why are we here? What is your motivation? Because we're not interested in you being successful based on willpower. I got to hold these boundaries. No, we're interested in showing you how you can use the motivation of your own identity and why you're there to hold your boundaries because that never runs out. Having a value of integrity doesn't run out. That's the secret sauce, y'all. It's not about the external. It's about the internal. So thank you very much for joining me today. Hey, what's up, Nolene? This was super fun. And look at this. This has got to be my most efficient live ever. See, this is because I use notes. Thank you so much for joining me. If this was helpful to you, please put a heart up on the screen. Please tag me and let me know what was helpful about it. You can find me on all the socials. As you know, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. No, not TikTok, y'all. I can't, I don't, can't, can't do the tic-tac-toe. I mean, I'm okay with being old. I cannot do it. Honestly, it like raises my blood pressure and my heart rate when I even see clips from that platform. It's just a struggle. But anyway, Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, and you can always shoot me an email. Let me know what you thought. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for everybody who showed up live. You guys have a great night. I love you and I mean it. Thank you so much for listening with me today. I appreciate your time as I know it's so valuable. I hope this episode was helpful to you. And I hope you feel energized to go out and claim your unapologetic career. See you soon.